0: It all started in the 80s and carried into the early 90s, from our teen years to college, the origins of the creative muse, when our eyes were open to original voices in music, film, and literature.
1: It's where we began to understand the possibilities of artistic expression, from spoken word to hip hop, from avant-garde to punk rock, books, films, and songs that inspired us.
0: I'm Kim Selby, and for as long as I can remember, I've been an avid consumer of film, music, and literature. I'll go to the ends of the earth to find those original gems that move and entertain me. I'm also the producer of this podcast.
1: And I am author T. Riley. My writing can be dark, surreal, off the wall, and out there. There's a list of visionaries from all sorts of disciplines I credit to helping me find my voice.
0: We're going to take a look backward at where it all began for the both of us, how it shaped our taste today,
1: and how we create.
0: So let's get started. All right, so you touched a few minutes ago, you touched on um, the fact that Tales from the Crypt came from a horror comic book. And some of the comic books and some of the other stuff that was going on horror wise in the '80s was definitely on the indie side. I don't. Were you reading horror comics? I was reading I, comics, so I wasn't reading. Books.
1: <laughs> I was. It was actually the only comics that that I read. I, I was not into superhero comics or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, the horror, horror comics didn't start in the '80s, but just like this whole renaissance that we're talking about, they they came back strong in the eighties and and there were, there were some big names putting stuff out like, uh, like uh, DC uh, home of Superman and yeah. such. Uh, they were doing some horror comics, um, but there were a lot of, of, uh, of indie pieces out there. And, and, and I, I don't have any more. I, I would love to collect them. Like I collect albums. I yeah. think would be really cool, but but so I, I don't have the same recollection that I do with film or, or some of the books that I read. But, um, but whenever I went into a place, usually in Philly, and and I would definitely pick them up, especially when I was much younger, like 10, 11 years old. And they always had names like uh, Haunted or Tormented <laughs> or <a> Weird <laughs> Mystery or a couple of things that, that I remembered and, and looked up a few times and then certainly tales from the crypt was another one. Yeah. But um but there it was usually a, a full cover color pretty graphic image of some sort of monster beast or zombie or something yeah. that would would uh, attract uh you over to it his hand. But uh but you're right. I mean there there was a lot going on uh more uh underground if if you will and worldwide. So Our very first podcast that we did was on the video store and, um, that, that was my access to it. So I, I, I got to see, uh, the, the independent stuff that was happening around here, um, plus the direct to video. Stuff that never even made it to a movie theater went straight to the video, Right. which were often very low budget. But but I also got an opportunity to see things that were foreign as well, and um, there were some really interesting
0: foreign stuff. comic books.
1: No, no, I'm talking about film. No, I oh, okay,
0: sure. okay. The the,
1: the yeah there there were a lot of really interesting stuff happening. Um, mainly, I think, coming out of Italy. There was a lot of uh, pretty graphic, pretty gory horror stuff that came out of Italy. And then there were just some strange off the wall things coming from from like Australia was another place. Um, So, yeah, video store was a a great opportunity to see those gems that that were never going to be on the the big screen. Or if they did, they were in very limited circulation.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, No, I was just going to say, I don't have um, the connection to that world as much as I did to the more mainstream. So it's interesting to hear from, from you what you had come across back then yeah, on South Street or in a video store.
1: And it's, I'll just reinforce what I said at the beginning of this. There was a lot that I, I wasn't into. There was a lot that I saw either way because I've, I I had friends that loved horror and we would just, we'd go to that video store and we'd, we'd pick things out. And right. and the things that I was reading, again, I was more drawn to the horror comics, but there was a lot going on underground. If you if you looked at at fiction, uh, there was this whole splatter punk fiction that that was big, um, really graphically written stuff. The comics. Then you had you still had the the pulp fiction that was around that that I I guess it started back in the fifties that that that's still know had a place within within this this renaissance and then the the films as well and 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 those films they 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 ranged from serious films that were attempting to do what you were seeing from from clive barker and others just at a, a much lower budget then you had campier stuff like sam Raimi. i said at the video stores was one of my favorite with evil dead and then you had the, yeah. the low budget trauma productions happening Right. But I was trying to think without just duplicating what we said in the video store, just to, to think of, of, of a couple of things that really moved m- me yeah, <laughs> Not yes. necessarily in a great way, but, or just, just, uh, that really stick out from that, that time period. And, and I already mentioned the, the comic books. So that was a really big thing for me, especially when I was younger. Right. And then moving into, to my early, early teens at the, at the the beginning of that going to the video store, there, there's two that, that stuck out for me. Well, one was earlier on, one was a little bit later, but both hitting in, in the eighties. Um, one was uh, a movie called dead end drive-in. Okay. Uh, It was an Australia film. Okay. And if we happen to be getting listeners here who are diehard horror fans, they're probably screaming at their smartphone right now or whatever they're listening and going, that wasn't a horror film. But again, back to the blending of genres. There was definitely horror elements to it. Yes, it was probably closer to sci-fi. But it was a bizarre movie.
0: What was the name of it? Dead End?
1: Dead End Drive-In. Drive So it takes place sometime in the future. Uh, it's a dystopian piece.
0: Okay.
1: Which it's if you if if you know me well, you're surprised that I would even pick this because I am not a fan of dystopian stuff. Just just not. Um, especially after going through a pandemic. <laughs> I was gonna say, especially <laughs> but,
0: now, we're sort of living in a dystopian world. Right.
1: But. but but it is and and so it takes place in an abandoned drive-in on the property of an abandoned drive-in. And people are sent there who are not, um, not uh, conforming to whatever that society is. And they're mainly teenagers. And so they become their own society microcosm and it's, and it's real low budget stuff. It all takes place at this drive-in like -hmm. just on the grounds um, I had thought when I saw it that um, that they wanted to do a film and and uh, needed to do it really low budget, and this was the only thing that they could rent that was big enough to put a movie right. on. They uh-huh. get it. I, I mean, literally, that's how, how it seems. But but I actually, when I was looking it up again, it, it looks like it's based on a on a book or a short story um, that had existed. Uh, you may see that while you're looking.
0: Yeah, just scrolling through um, the cover of the the movie poster is very creepy.
1: Yeah, and then and then the other film is Sleepaway Camp.
0: Oh, all those camps!
1: Yeah, Actually, this, this was the, the camp old, of all camps.
0: The content right there. The camp, the camp um, murders, or the scary camp.
1: Yeah, and and obviously Friday the Thirteenth is the one people think of when they think of the camps. This was one that, um, and I, I, I I encourage people to see it, uh, just for that, getting that eighties feel of of what they did with horror, with a warning that that it could be definitely offensive, especially in today's context. Um, What's the name
0: of it? Sleepaway...
1: Camp. Sleepaway Camp. Away camp. Oh, okay. it has, uh, it's a slasher movie. It's definitely a slasher movie that has a very, very uh, surprising ending that, that really feels like it came out of nowhere. Okay. Um, and I remember being 13 years old. I was your typical rude 13-year-old boy and there were very few things that could keep my mouth shut and I'm fairly certain that I was... Just very quiet and going, just not really, just processing <laughs> what happened at the end. What
0: did I just watch? Um, oh my God, that's...
1: Yeah, And I'll leave it at that. Hopefully that was enough for people to at least go like, what is he talking about? I'm going to Google this right now. You yeah, can go check it out yeah, for yourself.
0: Good. Yeah, it's funny just to see some of the, I guess it's one of these where it's, you know, multi sequels or a whole franchise. I guess we would, now we would call it, you know, a franchise, but... Some of the pictures, yeah, definitely brings back, right? The slasher film. That's a whole nother, another umbrella aside from the camp setting. I don't know. I think the idea of have you ever, just to go back to um, Dead End Drive In, were you old enough to go to drive ins, drive in movie theaters? Have you ever been to one?
1: Yeah. When I, I, well, as you know, South Jersey's to this day still has a drive in movie theater. Yeah. I, I have went you know, later in life, but I went much younger. So I didn't go in my teenage years. I went, there was, there was one, I think it was an Edgewater park.
0: Okay.
1: Not that people would know that, but uh, not too far from where, I'm, where we're at now. But um so, I mean, we're talking between like seven years old and like maybe 10 yeah. or 11.
0: Right. It's just funny just to think about, you know, having had that experience, right. You can put yourself in a drive-in theater and like, oh, God, that would be really scary.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's hard. If you've never been to a drive-in theater to just describe to you that they're just on the grounds of this drive-in theater, it's 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 not really um, – if you've never been to or you haven't seen the film, it's kind of hard to explain. Because honestly, even if you try to explain it, there's really not much to a drive-in theater. Yeah. Drive-in it's- theater is a big patch of land because – You need to get a lot of cars on it. It's got a lot of speakers, little speakers that you pull up up next to so you can hear the film. It's got a big screen.
0: We're really dating ourselves. And it's
1: got a small building that you can buy popcorn in and go to the bathroom. Mm
0: -hmm. That's it. Mm Yeah, was fun. So another topic we could uh, go down and talk about all the drive-in movies we've been to. Um, I guess my point is, It's interesting, you know, talking about this and we're talking about sleepaway camp, we're talking about drive-ins. It's the whole atmosphere of where they are, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. being outside in the dark at a drive-in theater is scary. Being outdoors at a campsite with just forest around you. And the fact that these are low, maybe low, lower budget films. It's interesting to see that from like a production point of view, like where can we film in one spot that we don't, you know, we don't have to have a lot of travel or a lot of different sets, just rent the drive in and film there for however long you need to. I think that's ingenuity. I wouldn't be surprised if that was a, you know, part of their decision-making process. Yeah. I mean,
1: it's, it's all about atmosphere and with or at least to set up the story or scene and and I've if I've taken anything because we try to find where the muse is with this podcast if I've taken anything out of this genre because I don't write horror really that's what I've taken it's it's the atmosphere
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, that's what I've incorporated in my stories and that's not to say that I, I don't write anything that would have a horror component to it if you if you re if you read my short story collection, I think there are probably t- three stories in there that people would probably qualify as horror. But I think if you read them all,
0: they're all dark. I think you'd at least
1: play. I think you'd at least give me credit that there's whether you like my stories or not that that atmosphere component is probably incorporated into all of them.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, having read you know your work, yes, I would agree, and especially grayscale, you definitely get that atmospheric feeling and maybe because it's longer than some of the short stories but i feel like there's a little bit of something scary in everything that i've read that you've written but it
1: it definitely and thank you and i and that that if i took anything from horror to to create my work that that's what i took
0: yeah yeah but i
1: will say once upon a time i was a film major for for my bachelor's degree and once upon a time when when i didn't have responsibility Right. That's all I wanted to do was make one horror film
0: Hmm.
1: have it be some big cult thing and then (laughs) be done and be done. So (laughs) I mean I I really did love the genre back then.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah for sure. Yeah I will say just to I don't know if we're putting a cap on this section or we want to talk about music a little bit. I think one of the if not the first or one of the first and I'm really going to myself so just give me don't don't make fun of me. One of the first movies I saw in a drive-in theater was Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which was 1978. So it's not quite 80s, but I was probably nine or ten, whenever, you know, in 78 I was nine turning ten. And that I that's one of those movies that has stuck that little snippet of those people being born out of those creepy pods. Fast forward how many years later, 40-some years later, and it still creeps me out. So
1: That's an amazing movie. If you liked it, I'd encourage you to see the original. This is even better. That goes okay. back to the early 60s or late
0: 50s. Yeah, this was definitely the the 70s version. Yeah, and I know
1: which one. It's Donald Sutherland.
0: I yep. he was in it, right? And those pods and his face and him screaming. And I... Right. I'm sure was also without me knowing it at the time, but the atmosphere of being in the car in this open field in the um, dark—you know—you're feeling a little exposed and scared. And I was probably with my parents, but yeah, that's—I can uh, merge those those memories for sure. Yeah, it's fun. Before
1: we leave the film, the conversation here, can I can I tell you a a film school story real quick? I because it, it has to do with atmosphere, uh, it. and it's really the only good story that I have. That, okay. Because all my films were bad, and uh, this one would have been bad if not for the mistake. So okay. do, do you know what day for night is? Have you ever heard that term?
0: Uh, yeah. I've heard of it, but fill me in.
1: And it's relevant to what we're talking about now, because we're talking about lower budget film and that sort of stuff. So, So day for night is a film technique where back when you used film, <laughs> where you would change the exposure and shoot in the daytime because shooting in the daytime is cheaper because you don't yeah. need all the lighting and all that stuff. Because even if you're shooting a movie in the dark, especially on, well, not just special on film, on anything, you still need lighting. I mean, it's right. not going to pick up an inch. So you're basically changing the the exposure, shooting in the daytime so that it looks like the scene is taking place at night.
0: Okay. All right. That makes sense.
1: So fast forward here to one of my film classes. We had a project to do a short. I can't really remember any more of the details about it other than had a partner to do it with. We decided to, to use a friend. And the shot that we were doing was her in a white dress running through the woods.
0: Okay.
1: I can't take, give you any context because I don't remember.
0: Okay.
1: So the thing about shooting on film, we were shooting on 16 millimeter. The thing about shooting on 16 millimeter... Or shooting on film. Period. It's not like shooting on video, and you can look at it in the camera what you did, and then do it over if it didn't work. You you only see it when it gets developed, oh. and so and you didn't do a lot of takes because we were poor college kids and we had to pay for that film.
0: So you had to you had to develop sixteen millimeter film.
1: No, you would send it. Uh, it was actually uh, for for any uh, sports fans out there. All of Temple University, that's where I went, all of their film was developed by NFL Films. They actually had a contract to, to do the students, do it in their labs, develop in their labs, and send it back. NFL Films is in South Jersey. Right. So anyway, so I, we didn't get to see it till basically it got put on a projector in front of class.
0: So you would have no idea really what you captured?
1: Or if we captured anything.
0: Wow. So,
1: so put it on the reel. Wow. It on the screen and you could barely see anything. We screwed up the exposure totally. Okay. Like you're just seeing hints of her dress did oh in broad daylight. Some of her hair, hand, she's running oh through the woods. God. And we're just looking at each other like, man, we screwed this up so bad. Because it had nothing to do with what our story, you know, it was right. completely unintentional. Professor turns it off, looks at the class.
0: That's the best thing. Say, this is
1: the best example (laughs) of day for night
0: Uh, that I've
1: ever seen a student do in my life. You want to talk about atmosphere? You want to talk about scary? You want to talk about horror? This is how it's done. And then he looked at us and he said, why don't you explain to them what uh, day for night is? uh, We're like, professor, why don't you explain?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, that's so funny! We had no idea what he was talking about. Oh my god, that is awesome! Oh my god, that is so funny. Yeah. Do you still have it?
1: No. No. I don't don't have. I don't think, unless there's stuff in an attic at my mother's house. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, but yeah, so there's the ending to that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But we wanted. I think we wanted to talk about music a little bit too. Yeah,
0: but um. You know, I'll just make a comment. It's interesting, too, just to see, you know, maybe that was the beginning of you having to present on your feet or, you know, think on your feet while you're talking to a group of people. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. 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 Thanks for listening to Origins of the Muse. You can find out more about T at that's author-treilly.com. That's author ycom You can even read some of his work on his website. He's posted more than 75,000 words you can read for free. If you like what you hear on Origins of the News, you can hit the subscribe button and you can always rate and review wherever you listen to your podcast.